0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com.
1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This
0: is Martina Navratilova.
1: I'm Mats Vilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast.
2: We are in deepest, darkest London, near to Victoria Station. We have come from all corners of the capital. Matt, Robert's not even from London. How far are you come, Matt? From Arundel. Right. Where's that? It's an uh, hour and a half on, the, on a very slow train. Yeah, you see, that's, that's that's the sort of commitment we've got. Catherine's even got out of bed. So, you know, <laughs> that's the sort of commitment G-story. we're talking about. Um, so we're here in a pub and uh, we are here to talk about Labour Cup and uh, potty mouth Roger Federer and coach Nadal and everything that's gone on over the weekend we've got Daniel Medvedev chat to continue because he's played yet another week in a row and won, Uh, we've got Naomi Osaka to talk about winning in Osaka uh, which takes some head getting around Um, loads of other tournaments we've got talking points such as the Big Three Dogs, which we started, of course, last week. Uh, we've got slam matches you would change the results. to. Big Three As Dogs. Big Three As Dogs.
3: Not just... The, the big three. I think that's a separate discussion. Okay,
2: <laughs> right. It's
3: a separate podcast that I may or may not, not start yeah. in, the, in
2: the near future. So there's, there's just loads of tennis to talk about. Um, first of all, I should tell you that we are sponsored until the Davis Cup by Racquet and Finals between now and the 18th and 24th of November, which is when the Davis Cup Finals takes place in Madrid. We're sponsored by them, which is pretty cool. Uh, 18 nations and uh, tickets are now available if you'd like to go and get some at daviscupfinals.com uh, your teams will be playing you can get tickets for them with a 15 percent discount for tennis podcast listeners uh, with the code ttp Davis Cup finals and we've got an amazing competition as well if you get yourself subscribed to our newsletter or if you've been one of our kickstarter backers last year you can get tickets to try to win two tickets to round robin matches of any nation of your choice includes two return economy flights and accommodation I tell you what i wouldn't mind entering this uh and uh, yeah so you can get on get on the newsletter list and you'll be able to get all the details this week and enter that competition and we'll see if we can sort you out with some uh, some amazing tickets and a flight and accommodation uh i should also say we are going to be daily here on the tennis podcast throughout the davis cup finals because matt here is on his way I'm on the plane. <laughs> You're on the not plane? Not the boat, on the plane. Well, i tell you what, I mean, I'm not sure our finances will stretch to <laughs> a plane, so you might be on the boat. That'd <laughs> be quite funny, wouldn't it? But
3: you underestimate the cost of boats, David.
2: Oh, crikey. Uh, maybe we'd have to get Catherine's dad to sort out a boat that is affordable for Matt to go on. Uh, anyway, we're going to have daily shows from the Davis Cup finals and from the Fed Cup final. Matt's not going to Australia, but we'll still have daily uh, shows daily from the O2 ATP finals did you know about this Catherine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know yeah it sort of came up in the pub and suddenly we'd agreed to it all uh, and we're going to we're going to see about the WTA finals because I would like to do daily from there but I don't know what do you think
3: I think you're putting me on the spot David
2: <laughs> it sounds like it's going to happen to me folks
3: taking a sip of my beer
2: right so we've got the beers we've, we've done our promos let's say hello to Charlie Eccleshare. hello hello you? How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, we are brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We have all... We've spent about the last 45 minutes effectively doing a podcast without the mics turned on because there's just so much tennis to talk about. Let's... Can we start with the Labour Cup? Because that is the talking point of the tennis world at the moment, is it not?
3: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, of the men's tennis world, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly captured the imagination. Third edition, um... First of all, Catherine, what are your immediate thoughts about what you saw over the course of the three days? One by Team Europe in a, in a, a nail-biting finish, once again, um, which is aided and abetted, I would suggest, by the most helpful of scoring systems that awards three times the points on the third day. But it certainly was an incredible atmosphere. I think tickets all went in the space of a couple of hours. Um... What were, your, what were your, the elements that you enjoyed about it?
3: There are a lot more elements I enjoy about it than, than elements I don't enjoy. Um, I, I mean, yeah, the scoring system is engineered for thrilling finishes, unashamedly and, and successfully. Um, and a thrilling finish is what we got, albeit I'm not sure is Verev raunic match-up is how everybody envisaged it for the coming ages. to its thrilling conclusion. But nonetheless, it was thrilling.
4: But I thought um, it was a point in favour of the Labour Cup that that was a really gripping match. You know, Zverev Raonic, in an ordinary tour event, that might not have actually been that thrilling, but I kind yes. of was really into it.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point, yeah. Um, I I think... Look, tickets for the whole weekend sold out in two hours, right? Everybody I've heard from that's been there, every fan that I've seen tweeted about it absolutely loves it. I think there's a place for it in tennis. I think it's a really, really positive thing. I feel like I'm recycling and repeating everything I said on this same podcast 12 months ago. Um, And there there are only two things I don't like about it, really. I just... those two things are quite significant to me. I don't like that it doesn't include women. And I don't, I don't understand why it doesn't include women because it just seems, it's obvious to the point where I feel like they need to explain why it doesn't because it's so glaringly obvious that that, that would be an improvement and the right thing. And I don't like it being sold to me as something that it's not and something that it doesn't need to be. What, when did exhibition become a dirty word? That's yeah. what I don't understand. This this sales job of it not being an exhibition. Well, in my mind, it is an exhibition, and that's just fine. I still really enjoy it and think it has a really valuable place in tennis. Well, when I,
2: does something go from being an exhibition to not being an exhibition? But I, I think,
5: like, just just on the Teddy Catherine's point, I think the competition seems to think it's mutually exclusive to have something that. Is an exhibition, does have loads of history with it meaning a lot. It can still mean loads. Like I think it meant loads to the players, but you don't need that slightly affected like the history of the Labour Cup, like in its third iteration, as if that was what mattered. It wasn't, it was just about these are really competitive people in a fun format, and they did really care because you put Uber competitive people in a fun format and they really want to win and they want to show off in front of their peers, and that's fine. But, you know, describe, I like, you know, on their Twitter feed, they described Federer as like a three-time Labour Cup champion now, <laughs> as if that's how we're going to remember him. Um, <laughs> you know, it just, it, just, it just felt a little overblown and they didn't need it, as you say, Captain I mean,
3: Matt, you pointed out on our, on our uh, WhatsApp chat that I hadn't quite realised that the Ryder Cup is an exhibition yeah like it's an exhibition that means an awful
4: lot yeah and I was I was googling Ryder Cup exhibition kind of on the way down here as I was think just hoping I hadn't imagined that and there are articles going back Roy McElroy is as recently as 2009 kind of got in a bit of trouble because he called the Ryder Cup an exhibition Everyone was like no it's not an exhibition this means so much Tiger Woods has called it an exhibition in the past there's there's a golf podcast no laying up which I think certainly we listen to David and they're happy to call it an exhibition. Like, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. I think the reason it's become a bad thing in tennis is because there have been some exhibitions in tennis which have kind of sucked, and no-one's really been into them. Like, I think we were talking, David, last year about... You told me about turbo tennis and superset and things like that, which kind that of sounds my second
3: like... second-ever job in tennis, Matt, turbo tennis. Yeah, yeah, they, I mean, they sound it kind of... like Game Boy games. It, it <laughs> yeah. sounds like someone... It sounds like...
4: Lord Sugar on The Apprentice has told them to make up a tennis tournament, <laughs> yeah. and, and those, are the, the, those are the names they've come up with. Like, oh, let's come up with some alliteration, you know? It's check. <laughs> nothing,
2: nothing wrong with alliteration. You know,
4: like, <laughs> that isn't what. Ma- and also, those events. Statnett. Those events tried to change tennis. Like, I don't. It's not
3: alliteration. Right
4: <laughs> I don't. I don't. I can't remember the. I was ins just and outs. hanging there. It's like,
5: who's <laughs> gonna find that out?
4: <laughs> I can't remember the exact ins and outs of those competitions, but essentially, like, there was, like, a time limit on one of them. There were short sets. Like, even, like, the IPL tennis thing, like, had substitutions. And, Mm. like, they went away from what tennis is. Labour Cup is still very recognisably tennis. It's just the production value is different. And the scoring system is is tennis, but then you've got this one, two, three, and that's a bit different. But it's tennis, but not... It's like a tennis trick. It's like a weekend of fun and colour and all the best players in the world converging and it's great i think i genuinely think it's really great and that's but i just wish they would embrace it as what it is rather than trying to make it this like official atp thing mm. where the matches are counting a head to heads because let's be honest i mean a, a tie break shouldn't really be, you know, a tie break for a third set sh- seems a bit silly counting as head to head when you've got all that coaching going on on the sides.
3: Yeah, I, I think that deserves an asterisk. Courtney Nern made the point on Twitter really well this week about, you know, the uproar. There's an awful lot of people that have been very outspoken against on court coaching as somehow um, infecting the purity of the game that are quite happy to defend the legitimacy of Labour Cup and the fact that those matches mm. are included in, in head to heads with absolutely no mention of the fact that one of the things we all celebrate about the Labour Cup and, and the Definitely. brilliance of the matches is the fact that they are so heavily influenced by on-court coaching, albeit in a very unique form, but very him- heavily influenced by that.
5: It's interesting though, isn't it? Because we've seen a lot of events like the uh, the Next Gen finals, and, and they will admit this, they've tried more or less everything to kind of see what works. Um the Labour Cup actually probably had fewer of those kind of gimmicky innovations, and it did feel like quite a good balance. Like there wasn't too much, you know, like the scoring yeah. system. I think most people were, were pretty much on board with that, but they, you know, they didn't have things like sun death juice, uh, which maybe makes it too quick for a lot of people. So actually, it, it feels like a reasonably good blueprint going forward for a different type of tennis, if we want that, which I think most people probably do.
2: Whiskey Whitaker. <laughs> That's an alliteration, isn't it? That's an alliteration, yeah. yeah. See, I knew I'd get there in the end. Um, yeah, look, I, I third year, I, I feel that they've got the closest to it being just about right that they've had yet. I do feel that they've made improvements to it. When I, when I think, and even including to the presentation of it, When, I, what I mean by that is, when I think back to the first year when they put Borg... Mm. Federer and the Dal in a room and filmed their team talk which was clearly I'm I'm not saying it was scripted but it was a setup it was let's stick them in and pretend we're having a team talk whereas all of the the beauty of all of this last three days were the unscripted moments where they they just left the mics running and got what they got and they weren't afraid to put it out and that includes Roger Federer turning the air blue which you know I don't I don't think Roger Federer went in there thinking you know what I'm going to swear this time that will really get people going I think he just he was worked up and he just let it go
5: I genuinely loved that I thought that was one of the best bits and because I know probably similar to you Catherine I've previously not found Federer human enough and I thought that was just great to see that just him doing what any one of us would do it you know it was a pretty route one team talk uh, as they go it was basically you know stop effing around And and I loved as well when Nadal was talking to him and you could see Federer just taking it on board and they're talking about John Isner and and, and making and just kind of take, thinking about what Nadal was saying and be like, yeah, okay, I've got to do that. Whereas you think with Federer it's so automatic and easy and he just breezes through it. Be like, oh, he is actually, of course, yeah, he's thinking all the time.
3: Yeah, I mean, every, every time I grew irritated by the sales job, a moment like that would arise. You know, Fabio Fanini looking completely and utterly nonplussed <laughs> while Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal give him a team talk. Yeah. Or, <laughs> You know, Zverev emerging from the toilets with Nadal and Federer.
5: I mean, Nadal it was, generally was hilarious. No, so. Sitsipas <laughs> yeah. emerging.
3: For, who was it that emerged from the loose? Sitsipas emerging in the loose. Zverev refusing to celebrate with Sitsipas, but mm. sele- uh, Sitsipas celebrating with Zverev like his life depended on it. And, and then the the moment with the Sitsipas being <laughs> made fun of for his hands. Oh my
5: God, that was brilliant. But, I mean.
3: Oh. And look I got irritated by the presentation of it at times but that moment did cancel out about 90% of my irritation because it was so good
5: <laughs> and, and that stuff sorry that stuff does appeal to a wider audience like on Saturday uh, me, my wife and I were in and and I was like do you fancy watching me at this it's Nadal and pass playing who I know you both like and Federer's there sort of te- and that's just such an easy pitch to a really casual fan whereas if if I said do you want to watch Bautista Regu v. Goffan in the Antwerp Open Semis I think she would have filed for divorce or something but, you know it, it, it kind of does have that that's a good
3: that... matchup, up <laughs> yeah. no I mean I,
5: I know I, uh, a want, I want to contrast <laughs> the styles <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's no, curious married to
5: an absolute philistine <laughs> but um, and, and I think as well in this age of tennis twitter and all of that there were just so many packageable moments and for your purists maybe that's not good but i think it's kind of great
4: it's an event i think very much of its time it's an event that you consume as much as you watch like you want to watch the tennis but equally you watch the moments between sits pass and the Dart, and then you want to see it on twitter and get it clipped and think of a funny comment about it and kind of watch it in that way so i think in that sense it really resonates with people yeah i mean I also think it needs to be given time and I think I was listening back to the podcast you did on it last year and I think what's interesting is the fact that this year we're starting with it last year you did the Labour Cup in the second half of the show it didn't feel necessarily like the biggest event of the week whereas this week it kind of did it did for me it was the event that i was mm-hmm. most drawn to this week was the labor cup and i think if it gives if you give it a bit of time rather than ramming it down people's throats that it's already the best event give it time it might grow into something truly special
5: but 100% this it, year for me was way better than the previous two Well what well, one, um,
2: one of the one of the great additions to it this year i don't mind saying was that mary Carrilla was commentating on it mm-hmm. and she look, I, I know we're biased. We think she's amazing. She's been a regular guest on this show, um, but she is a fantastic broadcaster who understands just she just understands that the, 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 the timing, the, the feel of it all. And I'm, that's not to say that other people don't, but she really does get it. And and I just and she just feels that if it's that great, you don't need to sell it too mm. hard, and that's that is the thing with these, with with this presentation. It was so good in so many different ways. Frankly, you can just let it go, let it keep growing, let it keep doing what it does. Because, and, and I mean, I think I, I still have question marks in my mind as to whether and how it attains meaning, and if that matters, if it sh- if it should strive towards doing that or not whether it should be every other year as opposed to every single year Um, whether there should be, I I even thought this morning well maybe it should be alternate years but every other year it should be a women's event Um, or should it be every year but with both genders in, you know
3: I mean, the one thing the calendar doesn't have anymore is a combined men's and women's event. What an, a glaring open goal.
4: And tennis yeah. is,
3: extraordinary. Tennis
4: is at its strongest when the men and the women are together.
3: Yeah.
4: And I think we see that at the slams, we see that at the combined Masters Premier mandatory events. And who doesn't want to see Bianca Andreescu telling Nick Kyrgios what to do? I mean, <laughs> just, just give it to me now.
2: <laughs> um, let, let's... It,
3: would, it would also... I mean, not. That, I mean, the scoring system, the the one, two, three on the days, does ensure an even contest, regardless of a team imbalance. Clearly, but it it would not that this should be the main reason to include women. That, I mean, I cannot see a single reason not to, personally. Um, but it would balance out the teams significantly, yeah. because um, three of the four. Grand Slam champions uh, on the women's
2: side this year have been from it, outside of it Europe it would be awesome wouldn't, oh, it? Be wouldn't it and I think it is
5: awesome? just um, I mean I think they just misjudged it when they created it I think if they'd had any sense and realised how popular mixed events were they surely would have done it
2: and they can just... change this so they, I mean yeah. it's, it's quite easily fixed really and,
5: and I do think that is one issue is that imbalance of Team Europe and Team World I mean look it's in its infancy but at the moment it's just so weighted towards yeah. Europe you
3: could, but, and I do you uh, you could, it's a decade with all since a non-European to, won a slam with all due, wow, with all due respect to Bjorn Borg great legend of the game well, I'm not sure he's adding an awful <laughs> lot as captain of team <laughs>
5: what was it one of you I tweeted like on the, the Euro- third day he'd said something I feel something. like there's
3: a <laughs> European female legend that would maybe bring more to that role
2: speak from time to
3: time <laughs> Bjorn Borg I, I can't say
2: I agree with that because it's Bjorn Borg when did he ever speak when he was playing he's just yeah, but, being who he was yeah
3: but he's not he's not suited to the role of team captain
2: what, what but why not I mean
3: because his, I mean,
2: his he, team's won every year okay, so you what?
3: think that's to like Bjorn Borg no and what he's but I mean not it's, it's certainly so not
2: detracting is. from it is it I he, mean, m- he might I, be I,
5: suited to a team captain he's not suited to a televisual team
3: captain I yeah. <laughs> I find I disagree. his presence awkward he's really? Bjorn
2: Borg he's you, you lot weren't alive when Bjorn Borg was playing Right.
3: It's nothing. nothing to do. It's nothing to do with that, David. I, I've watched McEnroe play Borg in exhibitions. I've been electrified by that. I've had goosebumps from it. I get it. I've interviewed Bjorn Borg. I get it. I get Bjorn Borg. He's not suited to that role. I don't like watching he, him just stand said, there looking blank. He's <laughs> <yeah, won't but, laughs> and McEnroe.
5: And one of Allen Federer kind of do his team. Yeah.
2: Borg used to walk out of Wimbledon looking blank and get mobbed. He was just that cool. He could get away with it. That was him.
3: Okay, but he wasn't. Was he doing team talks while he was doing that? Was no. he motivating people?
2: But the other blokes are doing that. If well, he got in the way as well, exactly, they're doing his job. Well, it doesn't matter. I just think I it's suppose, a really good I suppose, great visual. I
4: suppose Borg allow like, gives Nadal and Federer the space to be able to give their input. Like, if he was, if he was, yeah. if he was a he really he the equivalent
5: of the holding role, yeah, yes, he, like. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he does a lot of running off the
6: ball. Yeah, yeah, the decoys we don't see.
2: Are you trying to get him to sign for Arsenal? I was going to say I
3: don't see. I, I, we're obviously not seeing what he's doing in the locker room, but actually we are seeing what's going on in the locker room. We're seeing, we literally we're seeing are. Yeah,
2: we're seeing Federer just go out of the Federer shower, just yeah.
3: stepping out the shower. Let's just yeah. have a
2: moment to talk about Federer and Nadal on their own in context of this competition because this was quite eye-opening really and I, I think not just for us within the tennis world and not just for tennis fans but for the wider world I mean we've referenced it briefly but if you didn't see it yesterday Roger Federer was so worked up yesterday watching Alexander Zverev in the second set trying to come back against uh, or trying to hold off Miloš Raonic that he was hiding his eyes while he was sitting courtside during points he just and, and he was not putting this on he couldn't watch he was so worked up and then when the match leveled at once at all and, and ran it should race through that second set Zverev goes off to the toilet <laughs> chased by Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal and I apologize mother but I know you're listening but I'm going to read this out anyway and she won't appreciate the language used here but this is what Roger Federer said I want to hear a let's go and come on every fucking point you win. And every point you lose, every point you lose, you fucking take like a man. Nadal, not one negative face. Federer, no. I don't don't want to hear any... I knew it. Fuck. Shit. This was Roger Federer live on TV (laughs) yesterday. It was gold. And it went viral. Um, Now, what was your immediate reaction to that? I mean... Did anybody was anybody surprised by hearing that from him?
5: Well, there was a, si- a side of him we don't often get to see, and it was all the better for that. Um, though he has been in sweary form recently because he swore at the US Open, didn't he, uh, in a press conference? But it was brilliant. It was like seeing how much he cared and seeing that human side, that rawness to him.
4: Sweary form. <laughs> <laughs> that... great, yeah. Yeah. And I-, I think I think the Labour Cup is one of those events where. It's quite difficult, or I find it difficult, to draw conclusions about a player's tennis because it almost doesn't... It feels like a, diff, a completely separate thing. Like how are they going to transfer this to the tour? But it, I think it did give us a really good insight into why Federer and Nadal, as much as they're probably better tennis players, why they've been able to be so superior. is because they're much, it's just so much mentally stronger. Like... As Verus said it himself, he wouldn't have won that match against Raonic had it not been for Federer Nadal telling him to stay positive. As Veras first, you know, his instinct in those situations is to get negative, whereas Federer and Nadal's instinct is to stay positive and to completely not allow themselves to get negative. And I think it gave that amazing insight into why they've been able to be so good. And I think it was interesting how, when Federer was playing, the only player who felt kind of qualified enough Mm. to be able to give Federer advice was Nadal. Like, Zverev, Tsitsipas' team are world-class in their field. Completely world-class. And they don't feel like they're, like, adequate enough to be able to tell Federer what to do. And I've just found that
2: Fascinating. And Federer really wanted to hear what Nadal had got yeah, to say. Yeah. He was
5: gripped by it. I did feel like why didn't Nadal just say, look, you're Roger Federer, mate. Obviously you're gonna win this match. Like just just play like Federer and you'll be On fine. On the
3: other end of the spectrum, my I I think the moment that made me laugh out loud even more than sits being made fun of by and I'm laughing internally just thinking about that right now was uh, Zverev telling advising Nadal <laughs> to stand further back
6: to receive <laughs> me on a to serve.
3: That I mean though I will never not think about that and laugh.
6: It
4: was so 2019, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah. Zverev
4: telling someone to stand further back. Yeah, yeah. Zverev
3: telling Nadal.
4: Yeah. And the was like um, Nadal was like, thanks, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Have you not seen? I'm already back the line just <laughs> yeah. as it is. <laughs> but the um, the the way they the, the the insight that that gave into how they approach things both the veneer of what goes on underneath they know that this stuff goes on but they've clearly done a job on themselves over the last 20 years to to just Fool everybody. Fool every opponent. I mean, mean, actually, it's quite interesting that here they are in their mid to late 30s, suddenly letting everybody in on the the secret.
5: Well, Uh, almost to the point where you think, do they worry about giving so much away? Because, as Matt says, it was a really interesting insight into their coping mechanisms in tough moments, which you'd think they might want to kind of keep to themselves and not really want Zverev to be... Improving himself in those moments. And,
2: does,
3: does it tell you that they're not threatened by Zverev though?
5: Very much so. Well,
2: yeah, and Nadal. And the rest of the chasing In particular, I've just. I've never seen anybody able to move on as quickly as Nadal can, just generally, but he was showing everybody, telling them what they need to do, very clear in his mind in the knowledge that without me telling you to do it every mm. five minutes, you wouldn't be able to do it. And, and, and
4: I think. I think after the last two Labour Cups a lot of the discussion has been how will this help Zverev I I remember Kyle Edmund last year looked like he was possessed by the Labour Cup like how will that help him on the tour and it hasn't really you know since the Labour Cup started the big three have won all the slams like it hasn't transferred into the sort of challengers winning slams so I just do find it interesting whether they will be able to take any of this or whether I mean, it's do you just
3: think Jack Sock's going to go on and win a slam
2: now
5: No. Oh, no. Or, or could Jack Sock become a sort of Ian Poulter yeah. and, and you know a, a Labour a Labor Cup specialist
2: <laughs> well I mean I do feel that over the years there have been Davis Cup specialists True. and yeah. you, you can see that I think that that is one thing that I still still grates with me and we, we had a debate about it Matt and I earlier this week where it's still, I still find it really hard to take that all of this energy and all of this investment and all this imagination and all this commitment from Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal, and as much as I, I love what they've created here, why the hell didn't you put this into Davis Cup? Why did you not just go to the ITF and for the greater good, you've got something with 100 plus years of history which needed help. John McIner has spent the last 20 years, that I've known him anyway, saying that Davis Cup is on life support and Davis Cup needs to do this and that the other, proposing basically exactly what they've ended up doing, which is a finals event. Mm -hmm. His brother said to me 15 years ago, when he was Davis Cup captain, they need to have a single week finals event. So why on earth has tennis not managed to come together and put this incredible production level that Tennis Australia and Team 8 have put together, and hats off to them because from a standing start they have created something truly incredible, which has all all but silenced a lot of the doubts about it because it's so good. Even though there are some still some irritations about it, um, I just wish they'd thrown this into Davis Cup. I really do. Yeah,
3: here, here. If, if. I mean, they've proved that there is appetite for team competition, both fan appetite, commercial appetite, TV appetite, broadcast appetite. There is every kind of appetite for it all, and it that that for me for me that could be channeled into Davis Cup and uh, has I,
2: I would say that I, I do. F- I don't exactly know. We won't know what Davis Cup finals ends up looking like until it happens. And Matt, you'll be out there, you'll be able to see it up close, we'll be able to watch it on TV from afar and, and get, make a perone mind. But if I were them, I'd be watching Lever Cup and just stealing ideas. Oh, they That's should be. Center.
4: They should be shamelessly stealing the fact that players are allowed to talk to the players. I think yeah. Davis Cup, it's always been only the captains allowed to up. speak to the players. Do you player. think
3: they will? Do you think I there'll be a pride element I to really don't it? I
4: really
5: don't know.
2: Not wanting to. I mean. But these things can evolve, can't they? And
4: yeah.
5: if it, you know. it will be really interesting to see what it looks like. I don't. And how much they do go for the kind of glitziness that Labour Cup had.
4: I mean, I don't hugely see Labour Cup as this massive threat to the Davis Cup. Because I just think it's. Okay, yes, it's a team event. But it's so different. I mean, it's, it's not country based. It's
2: completely I, star driven. I it's agree only with three you, days. But Federer
3: isn't playing the Davis Cup and he is playing the Labor Cup. In, so therefore, it is. Yeah. It is. You know, you feel like
2: he has such clout.
5: Um, yeah. And Will, Nad- I mean, I know Nadal is scheduled to play, but end of the year, November,
6: post No. Two,
5: kind of has to play the Davis Cup
4: if he's fit. I mean, they've kind of. But that's a big if. Isn't yeah, absolutely. Never fit at that yeah. time of the year. That's a. Uh, That's a calendar issue, as much as anything. Now, I I know the Davis Cup could go in this slot in the calendar. I mean, I think Djokovic
3: is assured, pretty much.
4: Yeah, he said he's playing.
3: And I I don't really... I don't doubt that. I think the Tipsarovic pull is really big for him. Mm. Um, So, that helps. They're going to have the world number one. But, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. It shouldn't be a threat. It shouldn't be a threat. Let it exist as an exhibition. Let's not see it as opposing threats. But because... Roger Federer so publicly said he's not going to play Davis Cup we know he's obviously involved with Team 8 and with the organisation of Labour Cup it is it puts them in it puts them in opposition
5: and that there's then the ATP event yeah. in January, six I mean, weeks after I mean that to me the ATP event is the more
4: direct rival to Davis Cup in terms of the actual tennis. It's kind of a it's kind of a rip off really of the Davis Cup.
3: And because I,
2: it has ranking points. Well. I don't see it as enormous as an enormous threat really. A because Davis Cup goes first in the in the and order. It has the history. I think everybody will play ATP Cup and it mm. will be I think it will be really good. Don't get me wrong, but to me it's it's a team based warm up for the Australian. But if Open.
4: there's if there's an event you don't need out of ATP Cup and Laver Cup. To me it's ATP Cup. Like Lever Cup adds a lot more to the sort of tennis viewing experience than Okay, I haven't seen the Lever, the ATP Cup. So I
2: Yeah, in theory definitely that's
5: far more it's far more different.
4: Just than yeah, imagine that
2: if, if if only one of them existed and and that was the fifth slam. <laughs> but well, if they're not? both good? Why why can't we have both? Yeah, but why not make one of them right. two weeks long? And have all the a bits you love World about Labour Cup in that. But well, I not? think
4: what we like about Labour Cup is that it's just three days.
2: Is it? Wouldn't you want two weeks of that? And no, it'd be amazing? I, 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 mean, I would.
4: But I like the fact that it's so condensed, it's, it's so different. You haven't tried it the other way.
3: Is there limited appetite? That's the question, isn't there? If you're, if, if you're watching TV with your wife in January and you say, <laughs> oh, it's, it's Federer and Nadal and they're, they're coaching Zverev and they're, you know, will she go... Oh, but that happened in September. In September. I,
4: we've
5: <laughs> done that. I can only do that <laughs> once every 12 months or Now I that, want Bautista right? yeah. Googlfan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get me Bautista yeah. at now. I think as long as you've got those big guys, they'll always be appeal. I really do. And whether it's for a few days or two weeks, like it is. And maybe but
3: that's an issue, isn't it? Because it is a
5: massive issue, and I do it, think that is something it, for the health of the sport. But it, we're so reliant on on a few players, and for, and, for, for the floating fan. And I think Federer and Nadal, like, okay, we can't.
4: It's difficult to talk about what the future of Labor Cup will look like, especially when you think of it without Federer and Nadal. I'm sure they'll still be involved. Maybe it's a captain or something. But I, the one aspect I think it might help with slightly is the partisan element of it because I think for someone in the USA whose favourite player is Federer it's going to be difficult to root against Federer in Cup. but if Federer and Nadal are out of the picture they have this different fandom to other players it It might help slightly balance up that Europe versus world it it is still problematic it is but I do think
2: trying to cheer for a team world I think the red is amazing, the blue is amazing, the colors, all the rest of it. But it is—they make it work as a team. Mm. They all care for each other and they bond together. But as a general fan, it ain't the same as cheering for USA. Yeah, that no. partnership it, is a good and point. It's it not a big the difference. same cheering for Europe because what the beauty of Ryder Cup. Now I realize that what Ryder Cup does. It excludes Australia. It excludes South America. All these countries that you might want to include, but what you do have is Americans saying we're the best and we're going to win and you've got Europeans saying let's stuff it up. And that's basically the, the, the reason that, I mean I know there are two tours as well, but that's effectively why so many people care about Ryder Cup and that's what Davis Cup does on a country by country basis. You end up caring about your country.
5: And but- there's a long-standing cultural tension isn't there between Europe uh, and the USA. I mean it, it- It goes beyond sport that kind of rivalry, you know, how Europe likes to view itself, how America does. There isn't that saying the world versus Europe. The 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 elephant
3: in the room is that it probably would be desirable in an ideal world starting from scratch for it to be USA versus Europe. I think. But USA isn't strong enough. With men's only.
5: Yeah, I mean, in the '90s, that would be yeah. absolutely incredible.
4: I think incredible, if it were
3: it the know? '90s, it would be Europe versus USA. And
5: I mean, the thing about the
4: Ryder Cup is it did change. I think in the late '70s, it used to be yeah. the US versus the British Isles, and they they include they added Europe to make it a better event. Like there is the scope for the Labor Cup to be able to make tweaks. Which like other
2: that. which other countries they in? <laughs> no, no. I
4: mean Mars. No, I'm mainly talking about adding women really I mean sure. in terms of to be able as much as I think it, they should do it because it's the right thing to do yeah. I, I completely agree with Catherine as well that as much as anything it would make the event
2: better and it you know they incredible. might not need a, a scoring reason system
3: not to do it I genuinely yeah. can't think of a and actually,
2: reason and actually Stu Fraser wrote it. a really good column about the fact that, that it would it would separate it, it would ele- elevate it, it would legitimize it in so many different ways.
5: Well, that's the thing, whichever of those team events does it first, the others will be like, mm, we've massively missed a trick here. Yeah. Yeah. Commercially, as well as morally, it
2: just makes so much sense. Is Djokovic ever going to play it again, do you think? Because, he I didn't mean, love you know. It, did it? He's the world number one. I mean, it's a pretty big. I know he couldn't have yeah, played it's, this it's, year, it's, but.
3: I think it's as big a blow for Labour Cup that he doesn't play than it is for Davis Cup that Federer doesn't play there. I mean, not having the world number one and knowing that he is electing not to play, I I, think is
2: problematic. Well, I think this is where the Labour Cup kind of wants to have its cake and eat it because it would probably say, yeah, but we've got Roger Federer and he's the show and Nadal. But you haven't got the world number one, and you can imagine... Well, and you haven't, you, haven't you haven't and we got, got the either.
3: top-ranked players, but, but Kena Shikori, the top-ranked player for world... That that's why they need to embrace
4: well. the exhibition side of it. Like, yeah,
3: exactly. If
4: it, if it wants to be a really legitimate ATP event, it completely yeah. needs to have the world number one playing it. If it doesn't, if it wants to be a little bit of a disruptor that's kind of combining as much yeah. entertainment as it is sport, and there's, there's room for that, I genuinely believe there's room for that, then it doesn't necessarily need the world
5: number one. Yeah, I, don't I think. I, I, I think it's a massive, it's a credibility versus a kind of show business dilemma. And actually, for the Labour Cup in its current form, I think Kyrgios would be a bigger loss than Djokovic. In the sense that if the tournament is about getting your casual fans and getting lots of little funny moments that so they can give up, I think Kyrgios is going to offer you a lot more probably the Novak Djokovic possibly not maybe Djokovic would also offer a kind of Nadal lots of great insights but I don't think he's he has quite the pull of um, certainly not Fedor Nadal and even probably someone like Kyrgios
3: I'd agree with that but it involves embracing being, show, being a yeah. showbiz exhibition rather than yeah which, which is what I urge them to do
2: I've got one final point what, what's yours? Uh,
3: no go for it okay
2: uh, last week on the questions show Catherine we were asked whether what what sort of whether they would make coaches Nadal and Federer a week on have we changed our <laughs> mind
3: uh, I think Nadal would make a really good coach Federer is the, I mean Federer Federer I feel slightly more persuaded by but I still think it would be irritating to be told by Roger Federer how to do things You've got a tune <laughs> out <laughs> of Sverre, didn't he <laughs> Yeah, it's very it's an interesting one actually. Just just a quick point on him before we close the Labour cup because to me he looked like he was hating the experience ninety percent of the time. I wonder in a year's time. I mean, I'm sure he will continue playing because he's managed by teammate now, and they I think you know it's probably part of the deal, and um, I'm sure it's very lucrative for him. So he'll want to keep playing, but he didn't. To me, look like he was enjoying. He looked like he was having an existential crisis ninety <laughs> percent of the time. But then he had the moment, didn't he, at the twice, end? Twice,
2: twice yeah. two years. Twice, right. He
3: had the moment. Um, so I wonder, bigger picture when he's got a bit of distance to reflect, how he will reflect on it. Also, just second slight nugget is that I found it also very interesting that he still had the yips on serve, even in the Labour Cup. Um, I think that was a bit alarming to me, as to sort of how far those yips have permeated into his psyche, how deep the confidence issue goes.
4: One more point just on Federer and Nadal. Obviously, this has kind of been my first year on the tour, so to speak, going to slams and going to press conferences and things. And most press conferences, Federer and Nadal are asked what they think of the next gen and why aren't they breaking through and all that kind of thing. And they, they tend to give fairly positive answers like you know give them time they're doing all the right things all that kind of thing the Labour Cup was proof that they have thoughts about <laughs> yeah. why those players are not breaking through so I think next time they're asked I think not they need to be
2: one more negative uh, yes,
4: they need to be pushed a little <laughs> bit harder because
3: yeah, it's yeah, it's well, yeah, it's yeah hard what would you actually
4: say, like, say like, if you were talking like, to them they right do now. believe that these guys are doing something wrong
5: like because they were telling them to their faces that they were doing
4: something <laughs> wrong.
2: Brilliant, that <laughs> element is brilliant. I,
5: I feel like Federer might have a bit of the Glenn Hoddle. Which the the thing people criticised Hoddle for was that he was so incredible, he found it genuinely quite hard to understand why people couldn't do the sort of things he was capable of. It's there's, like, that,
3: there's that famous video that's been gifted, isn't there?
5: I, re- well, I have that. that someone sent that to us I think on Twitter yeah. this week yeah though.
2: Glenn Hoddle just showing a player how yeah. to, I mean, how like to what, bend you, one into yeah. the top corner he's I mean, like, you like 10 years, years retired why yeah.
5: Yeah. It's just un- so I think Federer might be irritating in that way I think Nadal's intensity might be overwhelming for all but very few players uh, you know having him kind of scurrying around <laughs> I love when he was like I've looked at, you know he's like you're winning most of the 0 to 5 uh, shot rallies don't worry I've looked it up kind of thing yeah. you can imagine a lot of players being like okay chill or <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> have like, much just that guy love it though yeah. just the competition <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. team exactly. didn't
4: really seem to respond particularly well I didn't think to all the sort of information overload mm, from the exactly. in his ear but Zverev did
2: it was superb just watching well we, we just saw all the things really that we've, we've always wanted to see with who hasn't wanted to go and give Fabio Fanini a piece of their mind you know <laughs> and here we were getting to, these two go and do it it was it was, a, it was like in the build
4: up to the event I found all the sort of social media content a bit kind of nauseating, and a bit was like too much. And I actually wondered two years of history. (laughs) I wondered at one point whether Team World were even there. Like all I saw was pictures of Europe. But and the one standout moment from uh, Team World's like sort of coaching sessions was was John Isner calling himself an effing liability at the net, (laughs) because it was quite interesting because the. Like the playbook on Isna is to get him moving, because he's not—he's too big and he's not a great mover. But I found it interesting what he said. Like he needs to be moving at the net in order to be able to hit good volleys, because if he's just standing there, he can't react. But he, he so he said to Sock, we need to have formations here where we cross, so that I'm moving and immediately involved in the point. So yeah. there was there were most of the good insights were coming from Europe, but I did think that was quite a interesting one from from world,
5: including Nadal on Isner, where he said like he is a big man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that, that was my, I think that's my favourite insight
6: <laughs> with the eyebrow, <laughs> with the eyebrow yeah. like going up, and very
2: big. Did did also enjoy, and this is the Roger Federer that I remember when when he was seventeen just literally taking the mick out of Rafael Nadal (laughs) to his face, you know, and on social media, you know, saying, (laughs) posting a a clip of Nadal and saying the eyebrow (laughs) and and walking around with a camera showing how big the court was and saying, (laughs) look, we've made loads of space behind the baseline (laughs) for Rafa, (laughs) (laughs) you know.
3: I mean th- Actually, for Alexander Zverev,
2: as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, But no, he, who else could get away with that stuff? Oh, can I Can I have
4: one more laver Cup? I've got a laver Cup quiz. Oh, yeah? Oh,
3: my. Because After three years yeah. of history. Well,
4: because I was wondering, what is the point of the alternate?
3: <laughs> I mean, What, what was, is the point of Jordan Thompson? There was that an injury. Question? There Somebody were two injuries. Her. There yeah. were two injuries and the what alternate didn't come injuries? in.
4: I think it's to do with the rules stipulating that everyone has to play singles on the first two days. So if someone were to get injured on the first two days, an alternate would come in then. But can we remember the alternates from the previous edition? Nicholas
3: editions? Jerry,
4: Catherine. Wow. I I right, like it's and so r- re- Jordan Thompson. Thompson. I feel like it's going to be a good pub quiz oh, question wow. in the future. Can you name the Labour Cup alternates? Well, the yes.
3: Europe ones will be like somebody top ten. Probably. I have them.
5: At tennis okay. podcast, no, who no, can well,
4: do it? Who oh, can do this?
5: Was like Karenia Busta?
4: No, a, uh, Diego Schwartzman. Right nationality with Karenia Busta for the first year. Ramos Vinola.
2: Schwartzman,
4: Spanish. Uh, oh dear. A, oh, left-handed Spaniard, not Nadal. Oh, Ladasco, And last year from France, Simon. No, Songa. No, no. someone
3: low rent. Cui. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no. Murphy. Yeah. No. You need to go more low-rent. Oh. oh, my goodness.
3: Oh, Shardy.
4: Shardy, there it is. <laughs> the Shardy. It's called low-rent. And Shardy
3: and, and Jerry. Yeah,
4: and the first, and the 2017... Meet in the room. The 2017 team world. Was Shapovalov in, in the team? Yeah. Australian. Milman. Jordan? No.
3: Jordan Thompson again? <laughs> <No>. Specialist alternate.
2: <laughs> Sam Gross. <laughs> no.
3: oh my God. He's been retired about three years. Kokonakis.
2: No way. Yeah, Kokonakis. Is he? Yeah. That's cool. You don't
3: want to have Kokonakis as your injury backup. No. Oh, yeah. oh.
2: <laughs> Bless. <laughs> so, I think we've done Lava in 44 minutes. <laughs> All right. So
5: For an exhibition, that's quite a
2: lot. Yeah. What else has happened? You sure can, David. Wherever the
3: stories are, the rivalries emerge, and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code tennispod 20 for 20% off your annual subscription.
2: Uh, Naomi Osaka's won Osaka. Yeah. Said that happened, Which you, that's the second year? Oh, you did as well. I said Team World would win. Oh, nearly. Um, that's the second year. Is that the second year that?
3: No, she's finalist last year, wasn't she? Oh right. Yeah. Okay. But it Beaten finalist to yeah. Pliskova. She lost to Pliskova yeah. in the final last year.
4: But she, I mean, she didn't. She won her last three matches this year in in the last two days because it was a heavily rain affected tournament, and she was looking really good I watched quite she a bit of her coach, against she? Yes, she's played with Jermaine Jenkins She's
3: coached and by her dad
4: coached by dad to the end of the year but I just feel like what she had at the start of the year okay she's maybe not quite at that Australian Open winning level again but that sort of that feeling of how hard she hits the ball I felt was back because she just feels so much more comfortable on the hard court she's able to get herself in position and she's just leathering the ball again and she beat Saver, who's she's had a lot of problems win, this year. Mertens and then Pavly- Pavlyuchenkova didn't drop more than four games in any of the sets and just looked, looked really good.
3: Some of her on-call coaching exchanges with her dad, she I mean, they were amusing as a side point, but there was something about her. She seemed to have a bit more of the comfort comfort level in Joie de Vivre back. There were some sort of nice little exchanges that... Indicated
5: that A bit more she was
4: relaxed. Just, yeah, and, feeling and, and she'd been and on she'd been on the Ellen show, hasn't yes, she? The, yeah. The previous week. She was really
3: We've all been on the I Ellen show. I was gonna now. say, yeah. yeah. She
4: does look very a lot more polished, doesn't
5: she, than uh, than a year ago.
4: Yeah. There was a funny moment on the Ellen show where she was asked whether whether she uh, had met Brad Pitt backstage and she spoke for all introverts when she just said no I was hiding so I didn't have to speak to her.
2: <laughs> yeah if you're wondering why we're saying we've all been on it it's because uh, in a moment where, which I thought would be incredibly amusing I posted the picture of Catherine's the back of Catherine's head which was screenshotted whilst the Ellen DeGeneres show was doing a feature at the US Open and caught Catherine interviewing Osaka um, and I posted it and just said you know you've really made it when you're on The Ellen Show. <laughs> uh, it, apparently I needed an emoji to show that I wasn't being serious. <laughs> oh well.
3: Thanks for that, David. Absolute <laughs> stitch-up.
2: <laughs> you didn't retweet that one, did you, Catherine? <laughs> I did not, no. um, So, yeah, it's good to see her smiling again. Um, First
5: we, title since Australian Open, isn't it, as well? Just and it, and it was the,
2: the
4: lowest level event she's ever won, because she'd won the...
3: Yeah,
4: Indian Wells is her, her debut. Indian Wells. Is she, she only Africa. won Indian Wells, US Open, Australian Open going into it? Yeah. So That's she kind sure, of man. took the she took the Bianca Andreescu route before <laughs> Bianca Andreescu did. Don't
2: yeah. you love the way that Bianca Andreescu has just pulled out of Wuhan? <laughs> yeah. Basically, just I just win I just win the US, the US Open. Right, deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you in a
5: couple of months. She wants to extend that run, doesn't she? Of not having lost since yeah. the beginning of March.
4: Yeah.
3: I
2: was thinking,
4: have you ever seen
5: Bianca Andreescu
4: lose?
3: Like I haven't watched her.
4: I haven't watched her lose. Like no. I, I didn't see. I've only watched her lose because of injury Yeah, that's it. I mean, I know she lost in Auckland. <laughs> I've never seen a, lose a tennis match. It's ridiculous.
3: <laughs> it's true. I think she's going to spend the next next three weeks distancing herself from Justin Trudeau as quickly mm. as yeah. she possibly can.
2: It's a bit like West Bromwich Albion's current unbeaten run, though, isn't it? It's just that you know you're slightly it's what we're all
3: thinking, <laughs> you're, definitely
2: you're slightly worried that it's gonna to come to an end eventually.
4: <laughs> West Brom
2: was not the feel, football team I, I thought Bianca Andrieska sure would are. be compared to. <laughs> I'm looking at Charlie here who supports the Invincibles <laughs> from the early 2000s. Oh dear. Um, so on that bombshell, um, Daniel Medvedev has won again. And, I mean, a bit like Andreescu just nonchalantly pulls out of massive events so that she can go and win the next WTA finals, Daniel Medvedev just <laughs> nonchalantly goes from <laughs> tournament to tournament playing everything and reaching the latter stages.
5: Fifth final in a row, right? For, yeah. For first
4: first man outside of the big four to reach five straight finals since Gorani Venisevic in... The early season 1996. Wow. Which is a crazy run. Um, Do you know how many... Oh dear, I'm going to I'm put on the spot now. It, do
5: you know how many, I uh, saw this tweet, haven't verified it, that Djokovic reached in a row finals between 2015 well, and 16. I
4: feel like his whole 2015 season was finals, right? I think it was 16 events and he reached Ch- the final Charlie's of every Charlie's got his notebook out. Yeah, it's I written, wrote this down. This down. It was that it's in good. shorthand so that none of us can understand 16,
3: <laughs> 17, 17 a in mate. a
4: row at the start of 2015. Then he made... The Doha final, the Australian Open final, did Indian Wells, Miami. I think he did the doubles. So we're up to about 21. Then he lost to Vesely. So I'm going to say 21,
5: 17. Apparently. Oh, oh.
4: he's, he's it not in, as good as I think. Was it ended he is. by
3: Vesely?
5: Vesely did end the sequence. Oh, yes. Okay. So it's whether he played fewer events in 2015 or his run started later in 2015. Yeah, that maybe. Trying unreal. to think, would there have, would there have been a 2015 event? Well, he didn't reach a final? you think he reached final on every... I think he did, yeah. Wow. That is...
3: Yikes. There you go.
5: It's a lot.
4: It got to go to Anastasia
3: concert as Oh, the that board. was very <laughs> weird. Because <laughs> t- Hannah Wilkes... To be clear, despite the name, is not Russian.
4: No. <laughs> I'm oh.
3: unclear. Has anyone what, the connection? done any kind of explaining <laughs> Hannah Wilkes, why she was there?
4: Hannah Wilkes have put on Twitter that... St. Saint Petersburg has, had lost its status as the most extra event of the week because of the Labour Cup and I was wondering what is so extra about St. Petersburg then I tuned into the trophy ceremony just for, Demil- for Danil Medvedev King of Speeches wondering what he might say it was Anastasia. Com- it was literally an Anastasia if, if concert. you are listening
3: thinking who's Anastasia? T- I thought I'd heard of someone called Anastasia in 1999. <laughs> it's one and the same.
4: It turns out she has more than one song. Does she? I was going yeah. to ask that. What, how many she performs? Turns out it was more than just "Left Outside Alone." There were no, there were no, no, more. No, no, what was no. it
1: "I'm Out I'm of Love. Love"? Yeah. Is, is oh, the big okay.
4: One. So she has right, two. Oh, there you one. go. Matt,
5: the Matt, first Matt, Matt was,
4: first was sprung listening sprung to her album. album. Yeah, "Left
5: Outside Alone."
2: What? <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought it would take this turn? Um, <laughs>
5: I want to see their relative Spotify plays. Did
6: you
3: buy her second album,
2: Matt? Not bought any album. He <laughs> <laughs> says that. I knew um,
3: someone that named their daughter after Anastasia.
2: Matt, it's Spelt the same way.
3: Spelt the same way, yeah.
2: Um, wow. Who's done this?
3: It's something I know.
2: Right, I thought you were talking about Matt. <laughs> I think, crikey, that's taken a quick turn. <laughs> but anyway, um, so... <laughs> Medvedev anyway well done to him and and actually I thought it was
4: the final against Chorich was actually a very good indication of just how much better a player Daniel Medvedev is now because Chorich I think beat him three times last season and Medvedev beat him what was this like three and one or something in the final
5: he just crushed him it's also quite important that he did win that final because he lost three of the previous four hadn't he and then that can slightly get in your if he lost this final as well to lose four out of five finals then you're slightly reframing that achievement
2: he just delivers though I just love mm-hmm. the way he just steps up for a tournament week and just delivers and whether we will next year you know it, it's one thing to, to do it for a spell but whether we can keep doing it I don't know but I- I quite I no li- reason why not, really.
5: I quite like as well that he'd had a haircut, which suggested he does what, like, I do in the weeks after a Grand Slam of, like, all my life admin. <laughs> <laughs> as if he'd got back and was like, right, I need to get my haircut, he's and ne- doing, I need to go to the dentist. He's
3: been doing photo shoots, though, Charlie.
5: Oh, right, that yeah. might be do, more why. you not seen his Vogue? Vogue, book? yeah. Charlie does photos. Yeah, yeah, I'm always... <laughs> That's also why I do them. It's not just life admin.
3: He's He's got a car deal. He's been on the cover of Vogue in a really dubious turtleneck. <laughs> all happening
5: <couldn't> <laughs> I did see those bits. I didn't realize they were so recent. Yeah, that makes sense.
3: Yeah, you, you thought he was doing vocal covers a year
2: ago. <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought they get really niche tennis players.
2: As long as he doesn't go all prim and proper and start not. That is genuinely
5: a worry position. that he yeah. neuters himself in that sort of Djokovicy way, and it just it's great to have that edge. Yeah, keep keep telling people that they're the reason. (laughs) Yeah. I saw someone compared him with Sodling, which I thought was interesting. Because Sodling, I thought, always got a really good balance of... He gave good post-match speeches, he was a good talker, but he also liked to ruffle the feathers. He was one of the only people who really tried to mess up Nadal. Um, So I think that's a kind of good benchmark for him. Djokovic
2: fans right now are listening and saying, why does he need to mess up Nadal when he's already got a winning record against him?
3: That's true. Because he wants... But, but in other ways, loved, yeah. That's, that's the way to be loved, isn't it? To to embrace being the disruptor.
2: Exactly. Not to
5: beat uh, Nadal, but I think Djokovic the heel would be brilliant.
2: It would be, because he's got that in him. Definitely. And we've talked about it last week or the other day on the, the show about what he used to be like, you know, when he was impersonating other players. Um, right. We've had a few other results. What have we had? Run through the map?
4: Uh, in... Mets Joe Wilfred Songer beat Aliash Bedene. That's a
2: good result for old uh, Songer, isn't mm. it? I mean Bedene too, but, but Songer, who's had a tough time coming back from injury, hasn't
4: he? I think it was the Mets event last year where he made his comeback from was it knee surgery that he had? Where he was out of the, he was off the tour for a good chunk, mm. six seven months, and he's kind of been slowly building throughout the year. And he's actually on a ten match winning streak at the moment because he went and played a challenger after the US Open and won that and now, oh, he's, he? now he's backed it up and won in Mets as well And yeah, good so it's good, good to see him back amazing um, how
5: many really top players play challengers I'm always so impressed by that that dedication and humility to be like yeah I'm a former Grandstand finalist but I'm going to go and play a challenger
4: and then in Seoul Karolina Mukova who we like uh, beat uh, Magda Lynette for her first first career title and is, Mukova, is friends Muk- with Rebel Wilson and a great
2: tennis player. Is Mukova your new Yastremska stroke <laughs> Kuzmova? I'm not sure she's Slo- young, stroke young enough. Stroke Sviatech, stroke everyone else. Isn't but, she a little you know. bit older?
3: She's like 22 or something, isn't
4: she? Yeah, but I mean, a year ago she had to qualify. But is there a sort of next-gen <laughs> quality about this? Well, tech is
3: like no. 18. She's not a teenager, is my no. distinction.
4: But a year ago, Mukova had to qualify for the US Open, and now she's inside the top. Forty, I think. So I think, I think the success of Andreescu this year has kind of maybe there have been some other players on the WTA tour who you would think would be very sort of eligible to win awards such as kind of like newcomer of the year yeah. or breakthrough of the year or something. But Andreescu has taken a lot of that away. But someone like Mukova is a player who would probably say would be in that category. And I New Kazmova of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think also Kenin, who won in yes. Guang, Guangzhou, beat
2: yeah.
3: Stoza, which was her first final for...
2: A couple of years.
3: Yeah, a long time.
2: Mm. Sam Stoza being coached by Renee Stubbs mm. now as well, which is a, and she's showed a, an immediate upturn in results, it would appear. Um, Kenin, yeah, I mean, Kenin's one of those... I was talking to Laura Robson on commentary today for BT, and she... I was just saying she just feels like one of those players that's just going to keep bringing it mm. every single week there might be a ceiling to what she's able to achieve but you know she keeps getting to quarters and semis and now she's won a title so
4: and she's well, really that. sort of ticking off milestones she's, she's got titles she's into the top 20 now she said afterwards I'm targeting the top 10 I think I think getting to um, Shenzhen will be a, will be a bit too far for her but I think she wants to play Zoo High and get there and just keep on, keep on building. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, the, the other event that was on was the Murray Trophy up in, up in Glasgow.
2: Which... Which, was, which did not feature a Murray title win, but it did feature Jamie Murray in the final, didn't it? And the most wonderful anecdote uh, about how he had spotted that there were no bins on one of the outside courts... <laughs> and Stephen Farrow, the, uh, the, who runs all the events in Britain and is our friend from Queens um, he texted him, uh, Jamie, to tell him and eventually Stephen picked it up and said Oh, oh it's alright, don't worry I'll, 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 we'll get somebody to go out and buy some bins for the outside courts and Jamie said, don't worry, I'm already at B&Q <laughs> <laughs> So good <laughs> I'll buy some myself I love that well, Man then, of Jamie, the people,
4: Jamie Marrow Yeah and probably worth mentioning, the, 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 the winner of the singles was a guy who, until a week ago, I'd never heard of. A guy called Emil Ruusuvori from Finland, I think. And the reason I heard of him a week ago was because he beat Team in Davis Ooh, yeah. Cup. He was the guy who I think I posted on our WhatsApp chat saying, what has happened here with Team?" And it turns out this guy's in a bit of form. This is his third challenger title. He's on the cusp of the top hundred. What's his name again? I mean, probably not what I'm saying, but Emil Russuvari. There's four U's in his surname. Things are in year. fashion, aren't? How they? How old
3: is it?
2: Labour Cup player not next sure, year. Young. Alternate. Alternate, maybe. <laughs> Captain's pick. <laughs> Alternate. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Uh, other stuff off the court that's happened over the last couple of weeks, because, of course, we were with you last week, but via our questions special in a a New York eatery, rather than this uh, Victoria, London pub, um, we had Kim Clijsters. I mean, I, I still... I'm about to say this sentence, and I still can't quite believe it. Kim Clijsters is making a comeback. And I really... It's so rare... That these days I will read something and not believe it and,
4: and I think it's April Fool's I that.
2: genuinely checked what the date was <laughs> and no word of a lie. I saw Kim Clasters to make a comeback and I and I checked the date because I thought that cannot be real. somebody's having a having a laugh with that
5: news. Someone messaged me saying, "Have you seen the Kim Kleisters news?" and I was really concerned. It didn't occur to me that it would be a comeback. So, like, oh god, what's happened to Kim Clasters? but um, I mean she she is 36 I mean as well I know that's that's old in sports terms, but she is young you know Serena's about 1038, 38 isn't she so I think a lot of people when they saw that thought Kim Clijsters is she in her 40s you know how is this possible so I mean it'd be a huge surprise though if, if she got back to anything like where she was
2: I mean I don't, I don't wish to be I, I don't wish to sound like I'm being disrespectful she was a wonderful player um she, it's her second comeback, it just doesn't, I didn't get it at the time, I mean, look, it's her life, she can do whatever she likes with it, if she can make a comeback, good luck to her, it was just the last thing I was expecting to see.
3: No, I mean, apparently she's had a, a film crew, a documentary film crew following her for six months now, sort of, I don't think she'd committed to the comeback at the start of that, but it was certainly a possibility, Um so it's been on the cards for a while. I mean, yeah, I, I felt exactly the same as all of you did uh, about it. Completely surprised. I've worked with Kim Kleister um, in a broadcast capacity as recently as the French Open. And, you know, through the Champions Tour, I've had a lot of experience of retired tennis players. Recently, retired tennis players, I've seen a lot of tennis players cope badly with retirement and struggle with it. And I never put her in that category for one second she always seemed like somebody um, uh, living a very fulfilled post-retirement life and I found her quotes actually very interesting it sounds like it, it's more about it's, it's more about motherhood than it is about tennis playing it sounds, some of her comments sort of resonated with what I've heard a few a few of my friends say that have recently had children or not so recently had children about sort of wanting to find yourself in amongst being a mother, wanting to find room for your own passion, I think is how she put it. Um, and I guess that must be really difficult if during the time that you've been having your children and raising them the window, the, the already limited window for exploring your own passion is closing on you um, so it sounds like she just she said look in two years time this comeback wouldn't wouldn't be possible so if I'm going to try it I have to do it now um, which I understand I think it all depends what her hopes and expectations are if she's okay with breaking the top 100 and play, just playing in tour events and seeing having the odd result here and there maybe the odd inspired week then I feel like that's possible but it's it's hard to it's like with Andy Murray isn't it it's hard to imagine a champion of that gravitas long term or even medium term being satisfied by that but who knows
5: it's also you realize when you look at someone like Murray that when you lose early in a tournament then it's kind of like well well, then what do you do you know it's one thing playing a tournament and you're like well I'm competing you go out early do you then want to be away from your kids or you know do you and it suddenly becomes quite hard to kind of map out what that life looks like and how, and how long she gives it
3: and there are limits to the number of wild cards you can take aren't there I mean I, I presume that's how she'll do it initially
2: are there um, limits when you, when you uh, didn't she say that she because... I think there's a
3: limit of eight Eight ball cards in
2: a year. I think there are a limit. of
5: Yeah, yeah, there are. And there's a limit on how long you can have protective protected ranking as well, isn't there?
1: Yeah.
5: Um, I mean, I wonder if others... I mean, I thought... Justine Ennan, who I spoke to earlier this year, I thought, will she be... Similar sort of situation. Would she be thinking, maybe I could a comeback as well. And that great rivalry will be... I mean, I instantly
3: sent Daniela over a text saying, comebacks are happening. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know I know how old
5: is Hans is she younger than Cloister's?
3: I think she's pretty much the same age either 35 36 yeah. I mean I, it must make everybody in that or, or a lot of players in that age bracket and in that retirement bracket think oh possibly just possibly you know
5: or I guess they might want to wait and see how Cloister's does yeah
3: you can be our canary yeah, down the mine
4: exactly yeah, well, off you
3: go
5: Tatiana Golovin is is giving it a go
2: as well
3: also unexpected
2: yeah it's uh i mean look i I do i do get it i mean it's must it's such a fantastic life and experience and they don't a lot of these people they just don't lose that competitiveness and then they must see people that are older than them competing and think well why aren't i doing this you know or maybe life circumstances have changed or they felt something that they haven't felt in a long time and and again i just end up feeling well good luck to them it's just, um, also, having like Catherine being on the Champions Tour, I realise how hard this is to give up for some of these people. Mm. And you, you hope that when they do give up, that they will find peace because it has to stop sometime. Um, so good luck to Kim Clijsters to get whatever else she can get out of it and whatever else she's looking for within it. And the same for Tatiana Goluboff.
5: Which male or female player of that sort of age would you most like to see do a similar thing?
3: So Andy it has Roddick? to be somebody that's a realistic so that's what prospect, I'm thinking, yeah. yeah. Some,
5: someone that kind of age.
3: He had a lot of tweets, didn't he? Saying
5: right. it's happening. Yeah, but I, I mean,
4: well,
3: I don't means think Zodling. he would.
4: Yeah, Talk about unfinished Zodling. business. Yeah, Zodling. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Andy Roddick would consider it, or I don't think he would make any impact on the. To- I mean, his his I
2: results think... had really dropped. whereas Clysters, did not really.
3: games, his games.
2: He wouldn't want to make up the numbers no, in I any mean. way. Uh, he would want to either be able to compete for the main titles or not at all. Mm. Um, and I think, well, that's where he stopped. He, yeah, he, exactly, he yeah. knew he could have another two or three years left playing at a certain level. He just didn't want to play at a certain level. He wanted to be competing for major titles.
4: It'll be interesting to see what Kleisters says Kind of, once she's done it. She'll be in a good place to kind of... Talk about how the tour has changed and moved on. We've been talking a lot this year about how much more variety there is in the women's mm-hmm. game, and you know, she had quite a lot of variety herself. People people compare Andreescu's kind of game a little bit to Clyster's, don't they? And, the, and especially her movement, I think, as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Clyster says about how the tour has moved on. I remember Murray's quotes from earlier on in this year, saying he didn't think the men's tour had changed much in the last two years that he'd been away obviously Christ has been away for much longer it would be interesting to see what, what she does say because she, she said at the, I think I listened to the podcast she did with WTA Insider when she was announcing this comeback and she said watching the US Open she was a bit concerned that she wouldn't be able to reach that level but she also said she felt that in her playing days sometimes Watching matches on TV, she was like, "Well, how, how can I reach that?" And then when you get on the court, it's a different different story because you feel the ma- you feel the game differently. I
3: think I know something that Daniela talks about. She, it, it, I think what she struggled with is the. Uh that how much the depth has moved on. Right. It's going to be harder to get the ranking back up. It's going to be harder Even to, get to
5: in the top hundred. Yeah, yeah, to, like to win those opening match. rounds yeah. to yeah. get any
3: kind of momentum going mm. because the the depth is so much greater. I think Daniela talks about. She said she she noticed it as it was happening. She said there was one season. Um, I think she said it was around about two thousand and eight, where it felt like it changed. Within that season, the level of depth was just instantly right. it felt like instantly greater.
2: So, slam matches that you would change the result of in the past, in history. What would you have, Charlie? Well, I think... I
5: would love, as a British person, for Tim Hemman to have won a Wimbledon or a Grand Slam. So, I would maybe... Hmm, maybe one of the Sampras semifinals he played in 98 or 99 in the hope that then he would win the final... Yeah. Maybe Home. 98 would have been the more. He would have played Ivanisevic. 98 would have been Agassi in 99. Agassi, just French, fresh from the French.
3: In the lap of the gods, there.
5: Yeah,
2: but Sam also, but I think, didn't need it.
5: Yeah, <laughs> he certainly didn't, <laughs> didn't need, need it. Didn't
3: need it, Charlie.
5: I think. I think. But even a Wimbledon final would have changed Henman's the way he looks back on his career. In Do you think he looks look back, back with
3: regrets? Because I'm not sure he does.
5: I think deep down he does. Yeah. Well, like what he said to, to David about, you know, exchanging his career for Marin Cilic's in a heartbeat just for that one slam title. So I think to have had that shot at a women of final and all the history of being in a final, I think he must have regrets. You don't, I mean, he lost, what, six six slam semis out six? How can you not have regrets?
6: Yeah, well said.
5: I think
4: this is an interesting question because there seems to be mainly two type of answers you get you get people who want someone who who didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve to get that one kind of moment of glory or you get like the complete other end of the scale like all time greats to become even more all time great like the one Slam final they didn't win they wanted them to win that one as well like we put it up on Twitter and we had hundreds of replies and a lot of them were well a lot of them were the men's final from Wimbledon this year—I think maybe a bit of recency bias creeping in there—but that that one seems to have resonated with a lot of people. And mine was as great as the Vinci moment was. I really did want to see Serena win the yeah. calendar Grand Slam, so, so, you know, something—a tennis event in in my lifetime that you might not see again. And I just think that okay, that would have, she would have had a final to win as well. But I just kind of wanted. I remember being. Pleased for Vinci but also completely gutted for Serena that she didn't get that shot at, mm, a at the slam
3: that's a great yeah. show my, my late submission was the 2006 Australian Open uh, final which was won by Emily Moresmo and it was her debut slam and it was a wonderful moment but it was won by retirement from yeah. Justine Ennan and it was horrible it was a horrible way. it was such a long awaited warmly received first Grand Slam title. I mean, and I was a multiple Grand Slam champion at that stage. I, the world wanted it for Moresmo and for her to get it in that way and not be able to celebrate it was uncomfortable and unfair. And I'd, I'd love to go back and have her win that fair and
5: square. That was something when I spoke to Anna earlier this year, we talked about and she said Maresmo hasn't really forgiven her for that. Like it, really? it, is still, it is still a point of tension. Wow. Um, I also would agree with yours, Catherine, the, that erotic Federer fight. I mean, that was, that was one of the most heartbreaking. That really was just... And that, that Miss Volley, that Roddick Miss Volley in the second set, which, I mean, I still think about reasonably often. I yeah. knows how often he must think about it.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I kind of thought um, the Venus
4: 2017 season. Yeah. I feel like that season she put together deserved... A kind of late career Grand Slam, and
3: what a story that would! I kind have been. of
4: think the Muguruza Wimbledon final might have been the one. It's not like Muguruza has kicked, kicked on <laughs> since yeah. then, and that was like yeah, a you could turning. Take, you could
3: take that title away from Muguruza, and the, the universe would be yeah undisrupted. Would cope. She, she'd still be a Grand Slam champion. Yeah. Whereas you know.
4: I feel like that would have been such a special moment for Venus to have won, to have won
5: that one. but... Or even the what she because she nearly won the World Cup Finals as well. And I think she didn't actually win a
2: title that year,
5: which is crazy. Yeah. So it was a really amazing 12 months.
2: So, the big three as dogs. <laughs> this is what you've been waiting your hour and 13 minutes for, folks. <laughs> come, on, come on, Matt, give it to well, us. What I mean, are people coming with?
4: I was on holiday last week, and my <laughs> phone was going a bit mental with emails of people messaging us just you know the title of the email dogs <laughs> you know and I was, I was, I was which thinking, you
3: can do
2: I was you thinking can Catherine, from me.
4: Catherine mission accomplished kind of thing um, but I thought the two best emails one was from Joe Wright who went into some depth and said Djokovic is 100% Terrier probably a Jack Russell as he never lets go Nadal is a Springer Spaniel with endless hunting spirit, energy, alertness and endurance. And Federer is a German shepherd, the most elegant, fast and clever of all and popular throughout the world. What was interesting is we had another email from Mel who said that Djokovic (laughs) is a German shepherd, the ultimate protector and defender, lean, fierce, intelligent and tenacious. And Mel said that Nadal was the hardest to nail down but for her it was a Rottweiler protected of a family ferocious if cornered and Fedora was a golden retriever exuberant, joyful university popular with flowing locks of hair Catherine
3: If I had to pick a set <laughs> out of those two emails I would go with the second set all, all submissions gratefully received and welcomed.
2: <laughs> and they were many. I
3: uh, appreciate the thought that went into them. Uh, my mum proposed flat-coated retriever for Federer, which I like very much, uh, and uh, a Weimarana or a Vizsla, Hungarian Vizsla for Djokovic, which I think something sleeker than those two proposals for Djokovic. I definitely don't think a Terrier. A Terrier is like David Ferrer.
6: Right.
3: Djokovic, yes, needs to have the... <laughs> the tenaciousness and the never say die attitude but also with some elegance and
4: n- more
6: what are you poise. saying about David <laughs> 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 Um
3: so I, th- I think a Weimaraner for Djokovic is good and for Nadal I think a, um, a Rottweiler is not a bad shout they are so loyal Rottweilers um, a boxer somebody suggested Staffy which are very similar to um, is so loyal really really they, they look and they've got a reputation as being scary and very intense but they're actually unbelievably soft and loving um, so yeah those are my
2: submissions ok Charlie, anything to add <laughs> Dogs are not
5: my area of expertise. I've got to hold my hands up here. So you know,
6: I—he's
2: w- got expertise in every other area, <laughs> folks, which That's is where the dog yeah, notes. Made, okay. uh,
5: my, my dog notes are not quite up to scratch. So I will defer to Catherine's knowledge. Here. Me too. Yeah, same, yeah.
2: Okay, which, I mean, I say... She could have been saying anything for bit. <laughs> it's one of the few areas that we can't get Charlie to opine on in an in a educated way, because uh, everything else he's absolutely amazing at, which is one of the reasons why uh, he's about to be taken uh, by another establishment. The Athletic is hiring Charlie from immediate effect, I think. <laughs>
6: Pretty much,
2: yeah. Is the fact. Is the You're going to um, do a mic drop at the end of this. <laughs> exactly. That's so, it. so, what are you going to be, Charlie?
5: Uh, well, I'll mainly be covering Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, as an Arsenal as fan. As an Arsenal fan, which is uh, an interesting conflict. Uh, but.
4: Very uh, tennis. Conflict of interest.
5: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. A real test of my professionalism. Um, but hopefully, we will be moving into tennis. Uh, yeah, shortly, make it happen. Uh, at which point, yeah. That would, be, uh, that would be great, and I think it lends itself very well to tennis. But, yeah, for the moment, my main focus will be on football, which will be strange, and I will miss tennis terribly. Yeah.
4: Well,
3: Is that where the Glenn Hoddle uh, reference snuck in? I <laughs> <laughs> see what's happened now.
5: Are we expecting a piece on Glenn Hoddle <laughs> next week? Glenn Hoddle and Federer comparisons. As much as I can kind of weave in tenuous tennis comparisons. Uh, yeah, look out for that.
2: Well, I, I would just like to say, Charlie, thank you for all your contributions to our show, The Tennis Podcast. You are a fantastic person to have on this show. We've loved having you over the last few years. Um, you know, come back anytime, time. Um, and just the very best of luck at The Athletic. They've made a brilliant choice having you. And, uh, and we wish you the very best.
5: That's so kind and I've, lo- I've absolutely loved being on it. I really have. It's one of my favourite things uh, favourite things of the job and it's one of the few things that any of my friends or family recognise me for so <laughs> it's great you know. I can, Same here. <laughs> you know, right away and no one says anything Go have one appearance on this and I'm getting messages and uh, yeah so no it's been such a pleasure so thanks for having me on.
3: My dad says Charlie's on the boat. That's his leaving gift. Oh, wow
5: Yeah Catherine told me this is huge news I mean honestly it genuinely makes it all worthwhile
2: you're doing better
3: than Sitsapas who's position on the boat is still TBC we think he should have his own boat just
2: I should just say as a very final word uh, given that you mentioned the boat Last night, whilst I was incredibly grumpy because my train had been cancelled and I was on my way down here and uh, Catherine and Matt looked up something that Nick Kyrgios had said in the Urban Dictionary which I was like, I don't, I don't know I don't really understand what the Urban Dictionary is and I, and I dismissed you it had a rant about it I had a bit of a rant <laughs> about it You accused us of ganging up on yeah.
4: you
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so anyway, I thought well, clearly I'm missing out on something here so I went on the Urban Dictionary and I looked at what on the boat means to see if they've got anything to say. Um, and they say... It's not a double entendre, David. They, they say a state in which a man and a woman are seeing each other regularly but are not currently dating. <laughs>
3: That's you and my dad, Charlie. <laughs>
2: that describes our relationship perfectly. I also decided to look up in the mix... Um, and uh, in the mix says well there's two entries one is included uh, the other one is it's
3: not proper use of <laughs> urban dictionary David It's <laughs> is not well,
2: good one of the is uh, the other one is an incredibly irritating cliche employed by sports radio hosts when they're looking <laughs> for filler between commercials
3: it doesn't actually say that
2: it does i.e. when you add Bet- Brett Favre is in the mix for the playoffs with the Jets there you go. So, so they got in ahead of us, and uh, we are carrying on that special tradition. Perhaps so, that's been added.
3: Yeah. You know,
4: since May. Some. Feels the, like a pop. Someone. someone crazy. who updates Urban Dictionary
5: is a tennis podcast listener. Yeah, so. I, because I love that definition you guys came up with. Thank you. what in the mixed means. I really thought that nailed yeah. it. Yeah.
4: No one else does, Charles. <laughs> Somebody get but it's still being
6: misused. That's
5: I
2: know. Somebody get it in the Urban Dictionary, which I am now going to become a keen reader of, and I will let you know whatever I find out. No, it you're might... not supposed
3: to just sit down of an evening and read the Urban Dictionary, David. I
5: Peruse the Urban I Dictionary. I might learn all
2: sorts.
5: I mean, you know, the just, Oxford Urban Dictionary.
2: Just imagine the stuff I'll be able to come out with. I anyways. prefer the Webster. Yeah. <laughs> OK, well, we have been The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Even though Charlie's leaving The Telegraph to go to The Athletic, we can say them both here on this podcast. Uh, Catherine and Matt will be back with us again soon. We are kick-started by you every single December. Thank you for all of your backing. Uh, that's what it's enabled us to produce more than 100 shows already this year. And as I say, to be daily at the O2, at the... Uh, at the Fed Cup Finals and the Davis Cup Finals. Um, And so we will keep producing as many of these shows as we possibly can. Uh, Brought to you in association, as I said with the telegraph, executive produced by tennisballs.com with our mascot Rio with a Y. And we will be back somewhere. I don't know where, I don't know when, but somewhere next week.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.